Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, where we interview Cindy and talk about sabbaticals. And yes, it will take more spending more money on these experiences, whether it's travel or um, deep sea fishing or whatnot. But it, like, I had never been so happy in life. Having these experiences actually has um, is almost like investing yourself and pays way more dividends than if you had just like saved that money and didn't go out and take that travel or explore that interest. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen, and joining me today is my military millionaire co-host, David Perret. What's up, everybody? David and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else, to introduce you to every money story because we truly believe financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big-time investments in assets like real estate, or start your own business, we'll help you reach your financial goals, get money out of the way, so that you can launch yourself towards your dreams. David, I am super excited to bring in Cindy today. She and I met at Camp Mustache earlier this year, and she had a really interesting presentation about sabbaticals. And I thought, you know what? I need to introduce her to my listeners, and I need to share with them her story about taking a sabbatical because it changed her life. I know I have known several people who have taken sabbaticals that have also changed their lives. And what a great concept. Take a little mini break, take a long break and reevaluate what's going on in your life and see which direction you want to take your life, even if you haven't reached financial independence yet. Yeah, I definitely think there's something to be said for that. In fact, I guess if you were to I guess if I think about it, right, technically I took a mini sabbatical with my trip out of the country uh, last month. I was gone for three and a half weeks, right? I don't know that I'd really consider that a sabbatical, especially since I work for myself, but uh, it was a lot of fun (laughs) and much needed. So, Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet 
help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms of each credit card issuer apply. The easiest way to collect rent? RentApp. RentApp is a seamless, secure, free payment tool for small rental property owners like you and me. Built by a team of fintech veterans behind Square and Cash App, RentApp uses ACH bank transfers to deposit rent directly into your account. Landlords love RentApp for its unbeatable convenience. Isn't it time you made rent collection easier? RentApp, the free and easy way to collect rent. Learn more at rent.app/landlord. That's rent.app/landlord. I met Cindy at Camp Mustache this year and was blown away by her presentation about sabbaticals. In 2019, while speaking with a friend who's an executive coach, she was given the assignment of a career audit to come up with 100 ideas for alternative careers, which led to an aha moment. She'd been aware of the concept of sabbaticals for several years, but this exercise brought it back to the forefront of her mind. Cindy, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Thanks so much, Mindy. I'm excited to be here. Let's talk about this aha moment. What led you to even start talking to your friend about alternative careers? Well, I had been on the kind of the corporate rat race for a while since graduating from business school and um, just working my way up, working from company to company, moving around the country for these jobs. And after, I guess, about eight, nine years, 10 years, um, I just was super kind of burnt out and just ready for a break. And, um, you know, things been going on at work where I was just burnt out. And when I was talking with my friend who'd been a colleague at a prior company, she suggested that we do um, a bunch of career um, coaching exercises. She'd been a friend who decided to be an executive coach. So she insisted on um, leading me through these exercises. And one of them was the career audit, which turned out to be more of a career life audit, in which I did come up with 100 different ideas for alternative careers. And they definitely span the gamut from more of the traditional marketing path where I've been on being a chief marketing officer to opening an Airbnb um, as an eco resort to um, being working with dogs and conservation efforts. So really, the first 20 or so was super easy to come up with. And then as we got through more and more of the ideas, like it was really hard to get to 70 to 100. But the concept of this exercise is like design thinking. You come up with 100 ideas on post-its, then you organize them into different themes, and then you start formulating a plan as to how to um, explore these ideas. So uh, what really showed me was that um, I'm much more than just my traditional career as a marketer. Like I have all these different ideas and interests and hobbies, and why not try to explore some of those ideas? Um, and like you said, Mindy, I did have the concept of sabbaticals for many, many years, just never had the courage to really execute on them. Like I had even written a plan in 2018. This is the day I'm going to hit. This is when I take the sabbatical. And then, you know, it's it's so hard to get over the inertia and the fear. And with this exercise, it made me realize, yes, I have a lot I could do on a sabbatical. And really, I should start thinking more seriously about it. And 
maybe even like publicly committing to this idea of a sabbatical so that I'd actually carry it through. I think that's the power of the like coming up with a hundred, right? So uh, I've had executive coach kind of walk through that before and really with any list, right? It's very easy to say like, let me come up with 10 ideas for, you know, ways to generate revenue in my business or 10 reasons I love my spouse or 10 reasons I want to lose weight or 10 reasons like surface. Those are all super surface level. It's not till you get past 20, 30, 40 that you really start digging into creative things or generating like no matter how ridiculous. And that's why when they talk about like planning your, your vision or what you want your life to look like that you get into like 60, 70, 80, and you're like, I can't come up with anything. Okay. I want, I don't know, a Bugatti, uh, private jet uh, and you just start writing crazy things down that when you finally look at your list you realize like well thing one through ten were like i'd like to own a house you know well that's not really a vision that's gonna like that doesn't necessarily get you going right so it's yeah i, I like i like the idea of a hundred like the career exercise and things where you have to like sit down and write down like a list of a hundred like that really challenges your creativity yeah, I think at the beginning, it's you kind of just throw out ideas that are what society expects of you or what has been the traditional path. So you had to get really creative to really think about what you truly care about. That's not more evident. I simultaneously love and hate the hundred list because, yeah, it's super easy for like 17 and then 97 you're like oh what is another thing that i could do what is another thing that i could do and you come up with that and you're like oh i already did that for number 35 or you know it gets really really hard did you get all the way to 100 i did i was definitely struggling towards the end but you know what i don't like to give up and so i'm gonna <laughs> keep going until until i get there um, yeah, definitely some of them like, oh, that's a little stretch when I look about it, look at it now. But you know, <laughs> I think it's the exercise of getting to those themes that becomes really powerful. So at Camp Mustache, somebody came up to me a little bit later, like right after your presentation and asked me about uh, what I do and, you know, how could they do this too? And I'm like, well, how would you do it? write down 100 ideas that you have. I took it and I threw it right back at him right away. I love this idea so much. Um, I said just a moment ago that I love it and hate it. I really love it. Uh, but it is really, really hard. How long did it take you to come up with this 100 list? I think technically the exercise is supposed to take like an hour or two. It probably did take me a little bit longer. An hour? Oh yeah. my goodness. I would think like a week or a month. I can't think of like 10 right now. Yeah. Maybe it's like one of those things where you're like, if you overthink it, then you're just like manufacturing answers that aren't really reflective of, of who you are. Oh, that's a good point. The last time I had one of those lists, it was like three or four days and I don't think I got to 100. <laughs> I think the concept is good. If you don't get to 100, if you get to 87 or 42, you're still thinking past the initial, you know, five easy ones. So what was your financial position in 2019 when you were speaking to your friend who said, give me 100 ideas for careers? Yeah. So um, at that point, I, so I graduated from um, business school with 
uh, MBA, which, as you know, probably MBAs are pretty expensive, especially um, at these type of schools. And um, luckily for me, when I wasn't even introduced the concept of the FIRE community, I was already practicing a lot of those things in which I had always lived like a more um, frugal life, I guess. And I didn't even know I was doing this, but I kind of do arbitrage by taking a role in Northwest Arkansas, where cost of living was quite low and um, they still paid pretty well. So I was able to pay back my loans pretty quickly in 20, by 2013. I graduated in 2011. So I had like, I guess, five, six years of building up savings, um, which is when I, 2018 was when I started that first written down plan of a sabbatical. At that point, I had a 70% savings rate. Um, and by 2019, um, I don't know like exactly how much I had, but I was definitely in a point where I felt financially comfortable. Um, and 2018 was when I first learned about FIRE and that helped accelerate kind of my investing in index funds, which was a good time to do that. So I think for me, taking a sabbatical uh, wasn't so much about like, do I have money to like take this break? It was more the fears of like, what's going to happen afterwards? Will I ever find another job that I really like? You know, what, uh, what, um, you know, is this time going to be worthwhile? Um, by the time I decided to that 2019, when I did this exercise, came up with a more serious plan, I said, you know what, I'm going to quit in spring 2020, which, as y'all know, great timing with the pandemic. <laughs> also, the low of the stock market at the time. So that was a little bit um, disappointing. I just like, I was so geared up to do it. I even did things like um, funded my FSA to do LASIK, like knowing that I would get, you know, full benefits of um, leaving my job earlier in the year. And then I had publicly committed to friends and family that I was going to do this. And when the pandemic hit, it was like, well, <laughs> maybe I should rethink this a little bit or let me just delay it and see how things go. Um, I think at that point, my you know, stock market portfolio did take a substantial hit. Uh, and again, it was more the fear like, well, if I take time off now, like what's going to happen if it's like a sustained, you know, bear market, am I going to find a job? So instead of taking the sabbatical, I had a very frank conversation with my then job about feeling a little bit burnt out, like I really would like to take some time. Um, can I take a sabbatical? And I think I only would have had the confidence to do so um, because I had been preparing to take time off and had the savings and all of that. And at that point, you're kind of enjoying the mental benefits of being able to, um, you know, push for what you want <laughs> without fear of, say, losing your job or any kind of implications. Um, so at that point, I went to my employer. I wasn't able to get like a long three months sabbatical or anything, but I did get um, about a month off of work as vacation, which actually ended up being, being um, a fantastic way to prototype a sabbatical. So in August of um, 2020, I took a month off. Um, and let me tell you, like that month off was like, I've never felt so alive, like in that one month and all the prior years of working, um, you know, 
just long hours working at various jobs. And what I did with that one month was very um, intentional. So the first half, I took a solo road trip all the way up to Oregon. And of course, it's during COVID. So was doing it solo and meeting friends along the way um, and just taking time to like camp and hike in nature and kind of mentally recharge. Um, along the way, I like met a friend who was into real estate and that's where I got inspired to like start looking at real estate in the second half of my month. And that was, um, I just dove deep those two weeks and started um, looking at multifamily units in the LA area. And, you know, before I knew it, the month was up and I was like, wait, I still have more I want to do. <laughs> so um, I did go back to work and, um, you know, really reflected, like, is this, was that break enough? Like, is there more I wanted to do? Like, how do I tell my employer? When do I do it? Um, and I really wanted to make sure that I left my company in a good spot. So I waited until um, my product launches had had gone through and eventually did leave in fall 2020 October. So at that point, in terms of my financial situation, from March at the low of the stock market to October 2020, my net worth had gone up like, um, I don't know, was it like 20, 30%? <laughs> um, so I actually felt comfortable, even more comfortable um, like just leaving my job um, without like necessarily like side gigs or anything to supplement that income. Because I think, you know, seeing that you just realize if you stay the course, like, like, you don't have that financial fear as much anymore. So let's go back. You got 30 days of vacation. Was it paid or unpaid? It was paid. Oh, that's nice. So it was like a paid sabbatical for a month. <laughs> paid sabbatical. That's the best sabbatical. Yeah, it was unexpected. I was asking for a three-month unpaid sabbatical. So, And they gave you a month paid. Okay, that's awesome. And then you came back, you finished up your product launch, and you left. How long were you unemployed, sabbaticaling uh, in October of 2020? So I told myself, like, I would love to take a year off. And, you know, it, and as I started the sabbatical, I realized, yes, that actually might be a good time frame because the first two months, you know, after just being on the grind for so many years, it took me a long time to like just decompress. And there are definitely days of just Netflix, <laughs> um, things like that. So um, and I did deal with like, well, this feels really different. Am I making the most of my time feeling guilty about not like doing some stuff. I actually, I think during that time went to my first um, Camp Fi, or maybe it was my second Camp Fi. Um, but when the new year rolled around, um, and I think maybe just the way the job market was, surprisingly, I started getting outreached on um, job opportunities. Um, so during this time, I did, I kind of structured my sabbatical and kind of three buckets um, based on kind of the thought I had done prior with the 100 jobs exercise and other things. So really, um, how do you recharge in the soul? So for me, that meant creative projects. That was a theme that came up in the 100 jobs. Um, second is kind of the physical bucket. So outdoor pursuits. And part of that is I do enjoy the outdoors, but also it's still the pandemic. So uh, more limited to like 
deep sea fishing and hiking and camping, things like that. And then the third bucket was work, which is the alternative career prototyping. So I went back to that list and, you know, explored things like, um, like I said, I explored real estate during that month off. I um, did end up, um, you know, looking at various multifamily properties. It didn't actually end up, I didn't actually close on those um, those uh, prospects, but it was still a good learning exercise. I also looked at, you know, what it would it be like to to be a content creator? Um, I always, I've, like I mentioned, I'm in marketing, so a lot of times I do a lot of stuff like creating a website and all of that, but more from a strategic level and working with agencies. So I wanted to see what it was like to actually create something myself. So um, one of the hobbies I got really deep into was deep sea fishing, and so I created a fishing blogging website called Fish to Fire. <laughs> and it was a way for me to prototype like what would be like to be creative making a website, writing content, which is quite difficult. So the utmost respect to you all. Um, and so along those lines, I was just going through all of this and February, March came around and these jobs outreach. And I'm like, well, I'm not exactly ready to go back to a traditional job yet, but this is a way for me to just explore different uh, careers. And um, there were two job opportunities I ended up interviewing for in the next few months. Um, in the middle of all that, I actually picked up a gig as a consultant unexpectedly and also prototype what it would be like to work for myself and doing marketing consulting with a um um, a furniture company, which helped me prototype what interior design and exploring that side of things would be like. So anyways, long story short, I got these um, job interviews. I ended up getting two offers, surprise, like to my surprise. And I think part of that is um, both fantastic jobs, both felt like dream jobs. Um, but I don't think I could have interviewed well at those jobs had I not been taking that sabbatical. I was just so mentally worn out. If I was interviewing for those jobs while at my last job, it probably I probably would not have been able to get both offers. So then came this agonizing job decision. Um, the roads are completely opposite and ended up taking one and pushed out the job date, a start date to July. And so all in all, my sabbatical lasted nine months, although I felt like it was shorter because these interviews included interview projects and I was also doing consulting. So um, I could not have anticipated or predicted the way the sabbatical went, but I think it was like the best possible sabbatical I could have ever hoped for. <laughs> well, I think that's interesting. You can't predict the way that the sabbatical is going to go, you can only roll with the punches that get thrown your way. Um, but you said both of these felt like dream jobs. That's awesome. Oh, now I have this, this giant task of choosing this dream job or this dream job. Which one do I want? Like it's not, you've set up your life in such a way that now you get to choose which amazing job you want instead of being stuck at this horrible job you hate, but you have to continue doing it because you have to put food on the table because otherwise, how are you going to eat? So let's, that leads me into my next question. How were you funding your life during these nine months? So, um, you know, because I had been working for quite a while, I did have enough savings built up and, um, 
I know I'm like very privileged to be in this situation to be able to quit my job during COVID um, when so many others were struggling um, to to find a job. So I know this is very, very lucky, um, but I definitely spent years building up the savings and 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 then seeing how the stock market had changed and then like boosted my net worth. Like I just realized, you know, at a certain point you get to um, the financial journey of like saving and investing that the income that you have from your job no longer is as um, impactful as like the investments you make. So even though in the nine months I hadn't actually made much income, save like the little bit I made from the consulting gig, I my net worth went up like uh, um like a tremendous amount, maybe another 20, 30%. I don't know, recall the exact numbers, but um so I think it really changed my mindset in terms of like, you know, do I be like very frugal? Like I no longer do the 70% savings rate. I now like more like um I don't know, ranges 30 to 50 or something. Um and I start I started realizing I want to invest in these experiences. Like the sabbatical is also a great way to prototype what early retirement could feel like. And I realized there's just so much like that I want to explore. And but I don't need to wait until my early retirement to do some of these things. I can make time to like explore these hobbies and um and yes, it will take more spending more money on these experiences, whether it's travel or um, deep sea fishing or whatnot, but it, like I had never been so happy in life. And I think it's, um, you know, the sabbatical, you know, the way you do a sabbatical it would be different for any, every, everyone, right? Your needs are different, but um, it's definitely worthwhile to take some time for yourself and to recharge and really think about like what, what would be, what would make you happy? So another executive coach, I, um, taken a workshop from Marshall Goldsmith, he had said the best thing you could do to, is to ask yourself every day, did I do my best to be happy every day? And so um, sometimes, at least for me, it was easy to get stuck for planning in the future when sometimes in the present, um, having these experiences actually has, um, it's almost like investing yourself and pays way more dividends than if you had just like saved that money and didn't go out and take that travel or explore that interest. So, I don't know if that answered your question. I kind of went around to different topics, but. Well, that kind of leads me into. So, one of the things you said, and you just kind of glazed over it at the beginning of your topic about your sabbatical uh, that I wanted to hone in on real quick that I think is important is you said it took you a long time to unwind and settle into the long one. Right. Like you, there were some times with just Netflixing or whatever, but it took you a long time to actually settle into the groove of being off work. And, uh, you know, I, I recently got back from a three and a half week trip and uh, we went to Peru and Colombia, me and some friends. And, and you and I were talking before the show where we've both done the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu, which is incredibly challenging uh, altitude and hike and uh, very surreal and peaceful. And then. Um, but it, you don't realize how burnt out you are until you take that much time disconnected from the world and, and, you know, phone off or airplane mode and, and actually legitimately not working. And 
it is amazing how good it is for the soul to take that kind of time off um, and how many ideas you have and how creative you can be and how much uh, flow you can get into. And I mean, the it's like your 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 energy levels just completely change as a person. Um, so I just wanted to I think you kind of kind of breezed over that, but I, I think that's huge. So I would just encourage people that if you have an opportunity to take vacation, there's this uh, stigma, I think, in the U.S. a lot of times about taking vacation. There's a joke, you know, in the, in the military, right? We get 30 days of vacation a year and, and it's like a running joke that like nobody wants to take it. You have to like ask permission and, and it's like, oh, I don't want to be the guy who takes vacation time because like nobody wants to be that guy. And it's like, take your vacation time, like take it, go travel, enjoy, you know? And, uh, so I would just encourage if you have the opportunity to travel and get away from work and actually disconnect, do it. It is so good because experiences are absolutely just, I, I agree. I think they're like the best thing you could possibly put money into. Let's talk about getting back to work after a sabbatical. Was it always your plan to return to work afterwards? Yeah, I think I was pretty open-minded as to um, what kind of role I returned back to, but I wasn't in my um, fire journey. I wasn't at a place where I could just like early retire or anything. I was more at the midway point. So enough where I felt comfortable taking some time off and not enough to never go back to work. Did you have any pushback from family or friends? (laughs) Yeah, so... um, I think, you know, earlier on when I first had that idea in 2015, 2016, I talked to friends about it, they kind of, our family, they, you know, kind of laugh about it. And there was a point in time where I uh, opted for, I asked for a um, severance package um, because my role was, I was in a different part of the country and they wanted me to move to another part. And I decided to just leave the company altogether, a severance package. And I think I was too scared at that time to just um, take a little bit of time to like really reflect and think about and relax and think about what my next step should be. Instead, I rushed into the next job, which ended up taking me to another part of the country where I ended up being pretty unhappy. And I think about that time, like, you know, had I just taken a little bit of time to um, reflect and, you know, not panic to get another job. I might have found a role that was better, a better fit for me professionally and personally. Now, I do think things all happen for a reason, but um, that experience, I got a lot of pushback. Um, like, why, why would you opt for a severance package? Just move with the company. Who cares? Like, like that is almost like um, it's not quite a sabbatical, but similar kind of topic where you, um, you know, you're voluntarily quitting your job, so to say but with, you know, severance. Um, So by the time I actually took a sabbatical in 2020, like I think at that point I built off enough financial cushion. I definitely had chats with my family and they were actually surprisingly to me very supportive (laughs) because I I think you can't put a price on mental health. And, um, and so I, um, there was so much fear built in in the years leading up to it that when it actually happened, I didn't feel stressed from that kind of financial perspective or of any of that sort. And I did feel like I had um, 
friend and family support. And at that point, there had been a few friends that had seen taken sabbaticals of their own and just had glowing reviews of their their time off. Did you plan any part of your sabbatical? Did you spend time thinking about, okay, this is what I'm going to accomplish? Or was it just like, let me decompress for a long time and see what happens? Um, definitely more of a planner. So like I said, like in 2018, I've written out an entire Word document of all the buckets I want to do, all the tasks I want, or interests I want to explore. Um, but when I did take the sabbatical in October 2020, though, like it wasn't like a plan this month, I'm going to do this. Like, um, I think I've since learned that, yeah, like you said, let's get to like roll with the punches. So things, it's amazing when you have the mind space, um, like what themes, what opportunities come up. So like it's, you know, I think it was October, when I started October, November, December was a lot of just like decompressing, deep sea fishing, things like that. January, I decided that um, I wanted to, I always wanted to try ceramics. So I did um, ceramics intensely every day for a month and soon realized, you know, I can't keep doing this. Otherwise, I won't accomplish any of the other things I wanted to do in sabbatical. <laughs> Um, by the time February rolled around was when like those interviews started and, you know, March was when I picked the consulting gig. So, uh, it didn't quite go like how I had planned, but again, like it was actually all for the best. Well, I think it's interesting that you wrote out all the things that you wanted to do. And the reason that I asked this question is, uh, in like kind of tying into, you said it, it could be like a mini retirement. Um, I have found that people who want to retire and specifically who want to retire early get to the point of retirement and then what? What am I supposed to do now? They they don't plan for what to do afterwards. They They make all these plans to get to retirement, but then retirement comes and they're like, oh, well, now what? And I think, I, I, you know what? I shouldn't say specifically early retirees. I should say all retirees. There's, you know, what is it? Death by retirement where, you know, you retire and then you're dead six months later because you have nothing to do and like work was your purpose. And I think with this, like not with a sabbatical, you're not going to die in six months, but like with a sabbatical, if you, you're not going to get as much out of it if you don't plan loosely at least what you're you're going to do or how you're going to take advantage of this time off. Even if your plan is just, I'm going to take my kid to the park every single day, or I'm going to go to the gym every single day. I'm going to do something six days a week, or I'm going to go to take a new class. I mean, ceramics every day for a month sounds kind of fun, actually. I don't know that I want to do ceramics every day for a year, but every day for a month could be really cool. Or I want to write a book. So sit down and write. You have to write every day if you're going to write. Um, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But having a plan is so much better than just, I'm going to take some time off. There's my plan. <laughs> I would actually say, yeah, planning for a sabbatical um, beyond the financial aspect, I think equally important or more important is mentally, right? So I would say I had planned with like the prototyping with that one month off, Um and it's all about like living a more rich life, right? So you can start exploring some of those interests while working. What a sabbatical gives you is like you no longer have to be at a certain place in time, like nine hours or more for a lot of corporate workers. Uh, 
working at a job that doesn't fulfill some of those um, those interests and hobbies and all of that that you have. So you're getting more of that time to do more of having that rich life for yourself. And then another thing that that just reminded me is like in August that that month I took off, I was very prescriptive because I had such a limited time to like explore all these things. So it felt like hectic and really jam-packed, but it made me feel like so alive, like I said. And it's because I was very intentional and I knew I had like a small window of time. Whereas when I left in October, it did feel like more nebulous and not as like, am I being productive enough, right? Um, which I can I think can be a little bit of a fallacy too, because sometimes you just need time to just sit with yourself. And um, but that is a thing, like I think with a sabbatical where you don't have a specific end date, or like you know retirement where you don't have a specific end date, there is a danger where you know you think you have more and more time. So I I agree. I think there it, there is definitely value to having some structure as well, um, which. I ended up getting a paper planner and that, yeah, <laughs> there are different techniques you could do to try to introduce more process and structure into your life. What I have found with my husband, Carl, is that he is, your, he used to be, he used to be a lot more like your August um, sabbatical where he wanted to do all the things in this one short time frame. So you just do them all the time. And this is how you go all the time, which is not fun. And then now I'm trying to convince him that you can be more nebulous and it's totally okay to just sit with yourself and think. And you, it is 100% valid to read a book that doesn't teach you anything. You can read, uh, so he picks up Stephen King's It. I'm like, the one book that scared me to death. No, don't leave that in the bedroom. <laughs> Face up with that creepy clown on the front. Yeah, no, thank you, sir. Um, but it's 100% okay to read a book that you enjoy that doesn't teach you a thing. Valid 100%. I agree with that. Um, I I like a minimal plan, like a loose outline even. Just, hey, today I need to do three things. And here's my list of a thousand. So I need to pick three of those things as opposed to... I would say another thing with a, um, sabbaticals is that like each sabbatical could be very different. And for me, after taking that August one and then, like the long one, I was like, you know, this has been so valuable that I see myself taking more um, in the future. And each it doesn't have to be a certain way. Like I ended up taking another mini sabbatical for two months um, this past summer because um, I ended up changing jobs <laughs> to the other job that was a dream job. So. I, the sabbatical was something that was a gift that kept giving because I ended up getting two jobs from that sabbatical. And that sabbatical those last two months in June and July was very different from either of the previous two. And that um, I, you know, it, the pandemic had like a lot, like opened up travel again. So this one, I focused on the things that I had traditionally thought I would take on as a sabbatical in the past, where I was able to travel to Cabo and Iceland and um, take trips with friends and family. And so I think, um, yeah, there is no rhyme or reason to what a sabbatical could look like, even for a single person. And I'm just so thankful I had the opportunity to do that travel because I think, you know, through 
um, the sabbatical and living that richer life leading up to it, like you just realize at the end of the day, it just comes down to people and like having the time and spending the time to like cultivate and develop that community, whether it's local or long distance, um, like it just was um, so refreshing. And so when I did come to this new job, I just um, felt ready to, to tackle it. And it's been, it's been a great experience so far. That's awesome. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. Pretty good episode, right? While you were listening, you could have been getting paid rent with RentApp. Landlords love RentApp because it makes rent collection a breeze. RentApp uses ACH bank transfers to deposit funds directly into your account. Setup is straightforward for renters. Landlords don't need to download anything. Both have peace of mind with a digital transaction history. Isn't it time you made landlording a little easier? Rent app, the best way to pay or collect rent. Learn more at rent.app slash landlord. That's rent.app slash landlord. You're trying to save, trying to invest, but your bank account is stuck. How about we get rid of some of those unused subscriptions you forgot about? Trust me, with Rocket Money, it's easy. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Take control over your subscriptions and cancel your unused ones with just a few taps. Create a custom budget, view spending habits, and let Rocket Money negotiate to lower your bills for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. That's rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. Real estate investing is great. But for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers an 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split with 70% of profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, get paid first. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of the physical asset provide additional security in case of borrower default. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by redirecting your funds from Wall Street to Main Street, supporting local economies, and generating profits simultaneously. This investment is reserved for accredited investors, but if you are not accredited, Pine Financial has options for you too. Don't miss this opportunity to back Main Street over Wall Street 
and start earning passive real estate income. Learn more about investing with Pine at pinefinancialgroup.com slash BP. That's pinefinancialgroup.com slash BP. Did you have to explain your sabbatical to your employers or did they kind of get the concept? Yeah, that's a good question because I think one of the fears is like, how are you going to explain the gaffe on your on your resume? And what I found was there was no questioning of it. In fact, if you did bring up sabbatical in the interviews, it was like a plus. People either said like, oh, I've taken sabbaticals before and like, you know, got really excited. Or there are people who like say, I wish I could take a sabbatical. What did you end up doing? And it just actually became more of a talking point to connect with others than necessarily something that you kind of have to like hide and, you know, try to explain away (laughs) as a negative. And again, I think, you know, mileage may vary. Like um, there are probably certain careers that better lend to uh, or where sabbaticals are more common. Um, I wasn't a computer engineer or anything. So I I did have that fear as a marketer that it's not as common um, that I wouldn't be able to to explain. But turned out I was, you know, <laughs> was able to, to um, became more of a positive than a negative. So what's next? Or do you have a plan in place to be able to try to take some more sabbaticals or are you at a point, do you think financially where you're going to be able to just walk away soon? Um, so I'm in a place where I've been in a year long escrow <laughs> process on a new construction home in LA, which hopefully will close in the next two months. Um, but that will definitely slow down my um, fire journey, but that's intentional. I realize I want to set down roots and um, you know, I love LA and it's a good, great fit for my, the kind of life I want to lead and the community I have here. So, um, but I still think I have always, this is an arbitrary number. I always had wanted to retire at 45 and, and crunching the numbers. I feel like it could still get there. Um, but I, um, you know, this job I'm at, um, is awesome. It is a tech job um, and it's fully remote and um, like a very different type of culture from other jobs I've, I've worked at. And I just feel that, you know, hopefully things go well. And I just continue at this job until early retirement, but well, I'll figure it out. And, you know, even if I end up need, wanting to change directions or go to a different job, like I don't really have fears about taking another sabbatical at some point in these next, you know, 10 years or eight years or so. So, um, yeah. Absolutely. What side of LA are you building on? Um, South Bay. So um, it's uh, in Gardena. It's more of a gentrifying neighborhood, but I love, um, you know, all the great food that's around it and it's more central location. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. So, Cindy, do you have any bits, any last pieces of advice for people who are considering a sabbatical? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, a sabbatical can be whatever you make out of it. And what you can't, you don't know until you jump, I guess. And to have faith that, like, you know, things happen for a reason. And, you know, you can only 
I think a really great step is to be able to talk to different people who have had done sabbaticals to get a sense of like what their experiences are like. And each sabbatical can be so different. So again, there's no one way to do things. For me, a lot of the value came from that mindset shift, um, you know, that kind of unlocking um, experiences um, now is actually worth more than like just squirreling away money and investing it necessarily. I definitely found that I was much more stressed and anxious um, before taking sabbaticals. Um, it was all about striving and achievement. And now I'm much more able to find that inner peace and that equanimity, right? Like, you know, sometimes it's worth it to go slow to go fast. So um and once you, the funny thing with anything in life, right, is like once you do it once, it becomes much easier to do it again. So like strengthening that muscle of resilience and, and being resourceful and being just open-minded to new experiences. And I think uh, being um, new experiences like sabbatical can just pay so many more dividends and um, that you wouldn't even expect. So um, I would definitely suggest everyone to explore the concept of a sabbatical and could be one month, like my first one or nine months, <laughs> or even two months, like it really, um, you know, can be any, any size and any kind of experience. But um, there's just, um, there's just so rewarding to be able to take that time and that mind space to to explore something new. That's awesome. Cindy, thank you so much today for coming on and sharing your story. I think this is going to be super helpful for people who are kind of on the fence about taking time off. It it seems like it doesn't really affect you uh, career-wise, which is, yeah. you know, I'm a little, I'm a little older than you and any gap in your resume a while back would have been like the kiss of death. Oh, can you explain this gap? Um, it took me a month to find a job. Oh, well, we can't hire you either then. Like, it just seems like anything was such an awful experience to try and, and uh, I mean, I remember fudging some numbers in my resume. Don't tell my employer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in past, I would fudge my numbers because you you don't want to say that you had a month off. So you'd be like, oh, from nine of 2020 to you know, nine of 2021 is when I worked here, even though it was really like August and you didn't get a new job till October. So it looks like there's no overlap, but maybe there was a month. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Is that, is that wrong to admit on a podcast? <laughs> um, to add to that, I actually, Shame. Um, not only did I find like a better, better jobs or better fit culturally and just like interest wise, but also like I, um, got a higher title and higher salary. And like, yeah, sometimes you can't do that unless you like, you know, take that break, that mental break. And, um, and I, this is like something I've heard from other friends who've taken sabbaticals as well. They actually ended up finding better roles um, where they were much happier at. Well, we didn't talk about any downsides. Did you experience any downsides with your sabbatical? I just always thought it was great. I didn't even think about maybe there was a downside. <laughs> Um, I mean, the downside is like, yes, I would have loved to keep investing in the stock market <laughs> while it was down. Um, but you know what? Like, I don't think those experiences I had in Savalcal, like they were much, much more worthwhile than like that extra, extra money I put in for investing. And I think, yeah, like I think the first two months of the sabbatical, I did feel like 
a little bit guilty, like, am I making the most of it? Why it doesn't feel like the August month that I had off? Um, but, uh, and so, yeah, that's why it's so important to, like, start investing in that, like, full life before you even get to the sabbatical or that early retirement, so to say. Um, I think that's where a lot of the pitfalls would be is more of like that mental mindset. I love it. Cindy, again, thank you so much for your time today. Where can people find more about you? Um, you can find me on... Are you still on Fish to Fire? I am on Fish to Fire. <laughs> yeah, you can find me on fishtofire.com. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> What's the biggest fish you caught? Um, bluefin tuna. That's awesome. <laughs> In Southern California, yeah. Um, it's great to be able to catch your own fish, no like commercial bycatch or anything, and it's just um, the freshest sashimi you could ever, even um, ever have. <laughs> so it's fun. Okay, Cindy, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, thank you. All right, David, that was Cindy with her amazing story of a mini sabbatical, a longer sabbatical, and then yet another sabbatical. I love what she had to say near the end of the show. She said, once you do it once, it's easier to do it again. She's taken a month, a nine-month, and a two-month sabbatical. I love that. I love the idea of just taking a little bit of a mini break. Now I got to go talk to Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Have fun. Oh, so a couple of takeaways that I have from this episode is the hundred list. That is such a great idea sit down and write out whatever it is you're thinking of, your hundred list. If you're thinking of changing a changing careers, write down a hundred different careers that you could do. If you're thinking about going on a sabbatical, write down a hundred things that you want to do. Write out a bucket list. That movie, the, the bucket list movie, I, <laughs> I thought that was really cute. I think that's a really great idea to have a list of all the things that you want to do and you keep adding to it as you cross things off. That's and, and as you cross things off, as you add more things to it. Ooh, ooh, I forgot about this. I forgot about this. It's an ever expanding list of things that you want to do. But I think having these ideas, having this written down is so valuable and so important and seeing it in, in black and white can show you this is possible. But that 100 list, holy cannoli, if you're struggling with something, if you're at a crossroads, if you're trying to think, what should I do next? Sit down and write out 100, write out your 100 list and see what see what you get. Yeah, I think for me, one of the bigger takeaways was, and this is something that really is just a big takeaway because I had this epiphany last month, personally, is just how little we realize like how how you you just don't realize how burnt out you are and how much you actually need that break and how long it's going to take you to settle into that break and how important it is right and so taking those breaks and and legitimately taking the break and actually disconnecting from your phone and putting it on airplane mode and going on a hike out in the middle of nowhere or traveling to another country or whatever that looks like for you, but actually disconnecting and going off with friends and doing something to experience a new culture or a new place or just spending time in thought or something is so important uh, to just your well-being. And when you come back, 
you'll be, you know, it, it, it seems so, so counterintuitive because you're like, oh man, I'm, I'm taking, I'm so busy. There's no way I can afford to take time off and I'm going to be, I'm going to get behind and I'm not going to be able to do X, Y, Z and I can't afford to do X, da, 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 da. The reality is, and I would argue that you may not be afford not to because you're just going to continue to get burned out and you just don't realize how burnt out you are. And so I went away and whatever, and I come back and it's like, I have been so productive in the two weeks I've been back. I mean, I've produced an entire course. Um, I've revamped a business plan. I've uh, drafted an entire like journal planner uh, from start to finish and redrafted it and sent it to a designer and a formatter. I've I mean, it's, it's been kind of crazy, <laughs> um, the amount of stuff that I've gotten done in the two weeks. And I think I've recorded nine podcasts. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been busy. Uh, and so I would just encourage you to take those breaks and give yourself time to recharge and experience life because you don't realize how much you need it. Oh, that was fantastic. We're going to end it right there because that was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> We've come to the end of this episode of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast. He is David Perret. David, tell them where they can find you. Every social platform at either Military Millionaire or From Military to Millionaire. And I am Mindy Jensen saying, grab that brass ring. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping to pay down your mortgage each month, four kitchens and bathrooms you can renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can afford? Which market and which deal is best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down by four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? These are all great questions, all to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devtha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four today and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. That's biggerpockets.com slash F-O-U-R. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.